Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is July 31st, 2014. We're officially on our last day of this month. So I hope all the parents are out there getting ready for school to start. Some have already started early, so let's get those school supplies gathered up. If you got the school uniforms, you better head to the store. You know they got places where you can get some nice prices on uniforms, try Rainbow, you got Shoppers World. Um, DD discount everywhere that you could go to find discounts, even Dollar Tree. That's why I bought all my school supplies from. Hey, no, a dollar for a big pack of crayons, um, 16 pencils in a box. So try those stores if you haven't already tried them out yet. But, you know, we all have been through the relationship problems. We're still going through them. We don't know which way to go. We don't know how to go about getting in a serious relationship. Don't know the right words to say to someone. But remember the movie that Will Smith played in, Hitch, where he was cooking up everybody. But he wasn't just doing it to manipulate someone. He was actually trying to get that person with the right person. They didn't know how to go about doing it. Well, here with me today is another person almost just like Hitch. Yes, his name is Michael Hurst. He's a coach, a speaker, an author of Become That Guy, the man that a woman really actually probably wants. And he's here to teach you a few steps, take you through a few steps, not trying to make you the most popular person of them all, but just to get you on the right track. So we're going to get Mike on the line. If you do call in, do so at 347-426-3751. I'm opening up the chat box now for you to chat with me. So, guys, ladies, keep your ears open. This is going to be interesting. How are you doing today, Michael? Fine, thanks. I'm glad you're on the show. You know, you are just like another hitch. You know, we all have seen the movie. He was hooking up people. Some people didn't want that type of hookup, but you are actually the real-life person. We're not watching the movie. So, Michael, how did you even get into this dating coach career? Okay. Well, you know, it was really funny back when I'd seen um, Hitch because actually this was – something I'd actually discovered way back originally when I was in college. Uh, there was a small underground community of, of men out there, and I was uh, researching a college class actually to come up with some things on how to become a better you know, entrepreneur and, and communicator. And I stumbled upon this, and I'm like, okay, well, this stuff works pretty well. I can't believe you know people think it's weird or something when it works. And, and then I saw the movie, and I'm like, wow, this is just like what I'd already seen before that. So Hollywood was already kind of imitating some things that, that were out there. Well, then years later, I met this woman at a bar. Actually, she met me and, you know, went back to her place, and she had this book. She was actually trying to take dating coach steps for men and apply it to uh, women. It was from a book called The Game by Neil Strauss, which became a New York Times bestseller. And so I thought this was really amazing because I was like, well, why does this woman, you know, <laughs> need advice? And why is she looking for advice for men to then turn around and then use it as a woman towards men? And that's when I realized that a lot of, you know, mainstream advice out there for both men and women is simply not effective. And oftentimes, I think, sort of it's based on some of the wrong assumptions. And so then I discovered a local uh, community here in uh, Washington, D.C., and joined that and started to do some seminars. And one thing led to another. And then I uh, created a, a book and a follow-up book, and it's, um, it's been pretty exciting ever since. It seems like it. 
how long have you been doing this? Gosh, I first uh, got into doing this uh, for coaching back in uh, 2007. So it's uh, been a good good little while now. And uh had lots of adventures. Um, and I always also try and involve uh, women in terms of uh, coaching the guys, too. Uh, I think that was a real breakthrough is that, you know, sometimes men thought they were doing something wrong. And then um, it was one thing. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's one thing if I tell them, oh, you know, this is just right. And then um, it was another thing to then be able to bring women in that were, you know, strong, professional, smart, well-educated women. And they're like, no, you're not doing anything wrong <laughs> by coming on to us. You know, just just be attractive about it. Uh, be funny. Be be good at what you're doing. You know, it's hard when you say that. It sounds so easy, but being yourself is really the hardest part. But as I've been told by other relationship coaches, that you don't, I guess you be yourself, but you don't have to put everything out on the table. You don't have to put that you make this amount or that you, you know, you probably won't tell. I would probably want to know if you live with your mother, if you have a baby mama, you got any children that I need to worry about, any stalkers that I need to worry about. And maybe if you have a mental problem. So that's probably little things I do want to find out in the beginning, but I don't need to know every single thing right in one day. But now, Michael, this is why I would like to know, what makes you the expert in all this? Well, lots of experience. Um, when I was uh, growing up, I um, came from a family with, which was uh, very academically oriented. You know, my father was a professor and my mom was a psychologist. So I learned lots of things, but I didn't necessarily learn lots of things about people. And so I didn't always feel like I fit in when I was younger. And so by high school, I found speech and debate, and I was, you know, trying to do things to just kind of learn more and, and fit in and, and figure out how things actually worked. Because a lot of advice people would give me just didn't seem to be effective. You know, they'd say things like, be yourself, and, oh, just be nice and do this and do that. And I'm like, but this is not working. And what if being myself isn't working? I mean, what does that say about myself? Am I unlovable? Am I unlikable? You know, if being myself isn't working, maybe I need to be something else. So I searched and did a lot of research, uh, everything from my experience in college to uh, speech and debate, uh, later wound up in sales, and I discovered a couple of other courses, and I sort of took what worked from those and then developed from there. And so I developed quite the uh, you know active uh, bachelor life, I guess you could say, and actually, I ended up writing a book of my stories and adventures for that, too. And so since then, it's just been a matter of, you know, talking to hundreds and hundreds of people through seminars yeah. and one-on-one -on -one sessions and things and just really finding out, like, what's going on with people and then, you know, how we can get from, from where you're at to where you want to go. So, yeah, it, it's been just, you know, gathering lots of information and just constantly, you know, evolving and, and making, you know, my process better. And right. uh, that's, that's what's been working. Yeah. Well, it is. Well, Michael, it seems apparently we have a caller online, so let me bring the caller on in, too. Hi, caller, how are you? Okay. Well, if you can't be yourself, then who can you be? Ah. Right. A, a, very, a very challenging uh, question that I first ran into, right? It's like, who am I supposed to be? And for a while, I kind of tried that out. Um, it's like, please, tell me, who am I supposed to be? Well, the best answer, really, instead of being yourself, is to become your best self in order to become that guy, or, or in the case of women, become, become that girl, become that woman. Um, and so I think a lot of people think that how they are is just who they are. And the truth of the matter is, you're a different person when you're in different moods, when you're around different people. You know, when you're around someone who's really fun and social, you become more fun and social. 
if you're around a few people that aren't very talkative, maybe you're not going to be as talkative, you know? So I think who someone is is dynamic, and it evolves throughout your life, too. Now, this can either happen just by happenstance, by who you happen to be around, by what you just sort of happen to sort of passively stumble into, or you can deliberately say, I want to be this kind of person. I want to be more outgoing, so I'll take an improv class or an acting class or join Toastmasters, or I'll just make an effort to go out to meetup groups or join a recreational sports team like softball or something like that. I'll actively do things to kind of change and develop who I am. And so over time, you become the person that you do based on the decisions and choices that you make. Well, everybody does that, to, you know, not to really step on you, but... Everybody does that. Everybody is who their experiences are. Everybody is who their personality is developed into. But how do you become the particular type of person that is attractive to women um, to whom you weren't attractive before? I presume that's the um, that's the uh, thrust of your particular book, is that if a person, a man, because I'm a man, if you're not um, as attractive to the women that you want to be attractive to, then how does one become attractive to those particular people? For example, let's say I was never attractive to the cheerleaders, and now that I'm older, now that you know, past 30, there are mature cheerleaders who aren't snooty, weren't snotty, you know, uh, but they're, they're nice-looking, um, in, interesting women. So how do I become more attractive to the particular type of woman that I was never attractive uh, to before? Well, there's a lot of things, some uh, superficial and some more internal. I think one of the biggest things I run into every day is a lot of people assume that they're simply not someone's type, so they never even try. Or they do, and then they kind of, you know, sabotage it, or they withhold part of who they are and what they're actually authentically, you know, uh, feeling and being. So, for example, if you're like, well, I'm a boring, dull person, that person would never like me, you've basically lost the battle because you've never even attempted. So part of it is uh, being able to work on your own um, inner game, if you will, um, who you actually are. This can involve everything from, you know, the hypnosis audios, which I have, to, you know, actively visualizing yourself. There's a lot of exercises I got from the book uh, Psycho-Cybernetics that applied to uh, my book, uh, Become That Guy, as well. So part of it is being aware of what uh, programming, if you will, is already going on in your head. What are you thinking? How are you sabotaging yourself or holding yourself back and then getting past that? At the same time, there's a lot of other things that our guys are doing too. I mean, if you look at what we've been you know, taught in the media, it's like, oh, uh, be nice. You know, Put this woman on a pedestal and treat her extra special, and then she'll like you because you're nice to her. But that's not how it works. You know, It's an emotional experience, and attraction oftentimes comes from from being a bit of a challenge and, you know, knowing what you want and standing up for what you want. You know, if you don't want to do something, instead of saying to a well, it's like, oh, whatever you want, you're like, no, you know, this is what I want to do or this is how I expect to be treated. You know, I don't like it if you mistreat me and you, you know, have some backbone, some balls, you stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. So things like that are important. Uh, being challenging and knowing that you're the prize. I mean, a woman that's... Uh, you know, uh, attractive, and also been put in an area where she is on a bit of a pedestal, and lots of guys are coming at her, like, for example, some like a cheerleader. Um, in that case, she's used to guys, you know, uh, basically kissing her backside and trying to be extra nice to her, all because they want to get into her pants. It's not attractive to her. It's no challenge. 
and it's, um, you know, in some respects, they actually, you know, kind of despise uh, the nice guy. Oh, he's just being nice to me because, or he'll, you know, sacrifice who he is, have no integrity as a person, just because he wants to, you know, get with me. And so part of it is that, is knowing you're attractive, and, you know, not putting them on a pedestal, teasing them a little bit, and uh, also being able to connect with them with your language. In other words, knowing how to tell great stories. A lot of this involves putting in, you know, details in stories, learning to tell stories like women would tell stories, and so having sensory-rich language, um, explaining things and expressing your emotions instead of having them a bit more flat. I think this is something a lot of guys, you know, kind of run into. I have and one more question, and I don't want to, and then I don't want to take the show away from the hostess because otherwise I would. <laughs> Uh, so this is yeah, this is about for you guys out there because to me most men think that most women are attracted to the the buffness and that really gets me when they be like, Oh, I'm buff, okay, and, and I drive this car so that's supposed to mean I'm supposed to jump in with you because that's not attractive. I don't want you to look like Hercules and I don't need you because you drive a Mercedes and you got this amount of money. By the end of the day, all oh, that's going to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I uh, don't quite know the question there, but but I think uh, you're right. That's uh, something that people do too. Is they sometimes you know try and put money or status and things like that in front of themselves, maybe because they don't think they're good enough otherwise. You know, it, it's a mask. It's a way of saying, hey, you know, I have this and that. And I mean, I think. I, okay. I think, you know, aside from some women that actually want to use them, which I think very few actually really do, maybe I'm being naive in saying that, but I think what women are attracted to is not that, you know, the guy has this really, you know, a great high-powered career or makes all this money. It's because he's the type of person that's able to do that. So the guy has ambition, he has drive, he has skills, he works to better himself. And so money and you know, career status and social status are oftentimes indicators of the type of person that is able to acquire them. Are there different and types so, of women that uh, different types of men attract? In other words, would there be certain types of men that wouldn't attract uh, certain types of women? Well, I mean, there are cer certain things. I mean, for example, um, I'll admit, you know, in general, age does generally play a part. Um, I think it helps as a guy oftentimes to be you know, um, slightly older than a woman, at least it traditionally has been that way. Things have certainly, you know, branched out over the years, but that still plays a part. But even then, it's oftentimes based on someone's expectations. For example, you have what we like to call the, uh, the dating frame. Oftentimes that's based on, okay, is this guy within my age range? Is he within my look standards? Is he within my income expectations? You know, would my family like him? All these things. But really, what's more important than all that and trumps all of that is the emotional connection that you can actually develop and the feelings of attraction. And those are often elusive. But I think well, how long, once how, again, long, how, long would it, <clears throat> how long would it normally take for a person, if they read your book, who would um, ordinarily not be attractive to certain types of women, how long would it take for him to become attractive to certain types of women? Well, I, I wish I could give uh, quite a, a simple one-size-fits-all answer, but it really, really depends. Uh, for example, I've uh, had clients before that were in their uh, you know, mid to late 20s that already mm -hmm. uh, had a bit of a career and job going on. They're already pretty good-looking, you know, about six feet tall, 
And the main thing they lacked was just kind of the self-confidence to kind of plow through there and, and get going. And sometimes it was just identifying a few small things they were doing and a few sort of ways of looking at things. And things happened very, very fast. I mean, sometimes almost instantly, within a week or two or three or, or less. And things happened very, very, very quickly. Of course, part of that, too, is for myself. Oftentimes when I'm talking to someone, I'll try and zero in on exactly, you know, kind of what's going on with them. Is mm-hmm. it that they kind of, you know, lack a degree of confidence? Is it that their beliefs about women are really kind of, you know, <laughs> screwed up? You know, they're putting a woman on a pedestal, or, mm-hmm. or maybe they're kind of angry because they've been burned in the past, and they need to kind of, you know, find a way to sort of get past that. Um, that's something, too. So it depends. Other people, you know, maybe have had guys that are like a 27-year-old virgin, and, um, you know, he uh, supported his parents. He's like, you know, ethnic uh, Korean uh, descent. So he supported his parents had all that going, and never even been with one. And for him, it took him more like about a year uh, a year to really kind of get going. Because he first had to get out of his shell and talk to people. He had to learn to be, you know, become more of a storyteller. Uh-huh. And I asked him what he did. He's like, uh, he's like, oh, I work for the government. Like, okay, can you be more specific? Oh, um, I work for the IRS, you know. But oh, so in their IT thing. Oh, well, what do you do? Oh, IT. Well, what about it? You know, I mean, it was like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is that, especially guys in the more analytical fields sometimes, we're used to very literal answers to questions, or, okay, I don't want to overshare information. And really what you need to do is find a way to take what you do some question about yourself. Right, I have it's one more comment. I have one more comment, yeah. then I'll just leave, and then I'll just put you all on speakers, because, again, I could actually take over the show, because I've, <laughs> I've had the, um, the discussions for a long time. This what I want to ask before you answer. Martha, do you find that women are open to this? And what kind of women have you attracted before? Uh, what kind of women? Well, I've, uh, I've always been attracted to women that were very, very, uh, very, very bright. You know, uh, very smart and, and generally pretty outgoing. But, but sometimes some are a little bit more shy. But that, that was usually the first, you know, kind of characteristic. And uh, women that were interested in traveling and intellectual conversations. But then at the same time, what I've always done, too, is look for women that were, you know, uh, pretty physical, you know, pretty sexually open to things, too. And I could move things along pretty fast, and they could be okay with that. Um, In fact, probably okay with that with me when they might not have been with other guys. And so that was part of my approach, was to always kind of be, you know, moving things along pretty fast, at least initially. And um, the interesting thing is that's where all of my longer-term relationships uh, came from. And so I think that was kind of a sort of a core value that maybe we shared was that I found women that were very open-minded to new experiences. And they might have even been the type of person that their friends sometimes call kind of gullible because they're like, oh, is that really true? Let's see if it is, you know? So open-minded, generally intellectual, pretty physical too, you know, pretty healthy uh, you know, sexual appetite and, and sort of uh, thirst for adventure. And uh, that's that's been pretty good. I've uh, really enjoyed, you know, meeting women like that. Oh, okay. Oh, go ahead, Paula. You want to ask your question, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it's just thanks to Michael and I. But it's an interesting question. I, you know, I appreciate my caller for asking all the interesting questions. Because like I said, it is. But women can play a little part, too, Um Mm-hmm. So, do the tips and techniques that you teach to men apply to women as well? Yes. 
And it actually surprised me how much a lot of things like this apply to women. Um, one thing I think um, there's actually um, a fair amount of truths in a lot of uh, conventional wisdom I found about men and women, which um, is that there are a fair number of men out there that to an extent do like a challenge and a bit of a chase. Um, that's not necessarily true of all men. And part of it kind of depends on their confidence and their, you know, um, sort of attitude towards this. I think there's sometimes some cultural differences, too, in, in what uh, people expect. Um, so that's one thing, too. I think knowing how to be both encouraging and challenging at the same time um, is helpful. Now, I know a lot of people might say, well, this is kind of like playing games. Well, I think that's a distinction. It's like, are you deliberately playing games in a way that's not authentic, or is it really because you're like, okay, who is this person, you know? Um, are they good enough for me? Do they have the uh, um, types of interest that I'm into? Are they going to act in a way that, you know, sort of flips that switch of attraction, if you will? And so I think kind of having, you know, those standards and being able to, you know, challenge uh, guys a bit will actually work pretty well uh, for a lot of women. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean withholding, you know, deliberately withholding sex or anything like that, but maybe it, it's, uh, it means, you know, waiting until it's really, really on and just kind of feels right. So I think that is definitely part of it. And uh, if it's on sooner and everything's going, then I'd say just kind of go with it. You don't necessarily have to artificially delay things. It's about, you know, things being where they need to be at. Um, another thing we discovered, too, it can sometimes be helpful uh, for women to make the first move just as long as it's not also like the second move, the third move, the fourth move, the fifth move, you know. And uh, because then you end up maybe uh, coming across as needy. So sometimes getting a guy's attention can be good because guys oftentimes miss women's signals that they're interested. I think women sometimes then get discouraged, but there's a really interesting book called um, uh, by uh, Lyle Lowndes um, out there called um, Undercover Sex Secrets, which is really fascinating because they showed about um, 20 or 30 different gestures that women would make, you know, everything from like playing with their hair to jewelry, earrings, all these different things that would let a man know that uh, she was interested. And sometimes she would do it for maybe an eighth of a second, quarter second. Some things would be, you know, very, very fast. I, I, yeah. Most of us women, we love, we love the tease part. We love when man plays with us and <laughs> give us that little feeling and touch, touch. We, we like that. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of feel that she's attracted to that, then you know it's a go. But with all this, what's the man or your clients? Are they all nerds, picky geeks, or virgins? Um, well, wait, uh, well, what types of uh, men do I end up having as clients? You mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, well, here's the interesting thing. It's not the guys that are, you know, seem like a hopeless, you know, case, like the, you know, late 20s or early 30s uh, virgin or, or beyond. Um, every now and then I've come across some people like that. But these were guys who really had the willingness to go for it and change. Usually it was guys who already had a degree of, um, you know, confidence and desire for things to be different. Uh, sometimes this came after the breakup of a relationship or they were trying to pursue something and then that fell apart. So that's the first thing. Is there's usually a burning desire and a strong negative that they want to move away from. They really, really, it's really important that they get this, uh, you know, handled in their life. Not just something that would be kind of nice, something that, you know, is a must-have. So I think that's the part of it, is having the desire. Um, the guys I've attracted oftentimes as clients uh, tend to be uh, pretty smart, pretty analytical. A lot of them had a lot going for them already. The main weak points were just uh, their perception of women and then 
oftentimes their own confidence. And then also uh, storytelling sometimes uh, something as well. So there might have been a bit of a bias in that in some respects I seem to have attracted a lot of guys that have traveled a uh, somewhat similar path to myself. And I think maybe that's how, you know, they could hear my story and then sort of identify it, which was, okay, if, if I can't, if I can't be myself, who am I supposed to be, right? And so you become your best self, and you realize that uh, who you are uh, comes deliberately from the social skills you have and from the beliefs that you, you know, actively choose to believe. And if they're not good ones, you change them. You know, if your belief is going to be interested in me, so I shouldn't even try, then, then you're not going to, and you're going to sabotage anything that you actually try. So I've had a lot of guys like that. Um, I've had, you know, working professionals and uh in like finance and, and IT, you know, in their, in their 30s and 40s. Um, had uh, law students. Um, another guy who's getting like his PhD in economics. Um, you know, some, some, some pretty bright guys. And oftentimes it was, uh, they had the willingness to put themselves out there. And so then I could give them the support and say, hey, look, you've got a lot of good things going for you. You know, you're your own toughest critic, which I think is true of almost everyone out there. And so recognize the good that they have. And then say, look, you don't have to be someone who you're not. If you're not the total social butterfly person, you don't have to become that. Let's, you know, see where you're at and how that can fit in in a way that's attractive. Right. And so then you don't just become, you know, Mr. Generic, irresistibly attractive guy, or you don't even necessarily try and become uh, what you think a certain type of woman that you desire would be attractive. You become your own best self version, and that's based on your beliefs, it's based on your ability to, you know, tell stories and uh, be challenging and be playful and also uh, be sexual, too, in a way that's attractive, not a way that's, like, kind of reaching or creepy. And when you combine all those elements together, you can take guys from all walks of life, you know, all different, you know, ethnic groups and a wide range of ages, and, um, and they can become their best selves. And it's really interesting because there's such a wide range now of, of guys I know out there, and they're each uniquely different in how this developed things. Well, this is becoming very interesting. I love this because this you are, <laughs> every time I'm listening to you talk, I think about the movie Hitch. But what we're going to do, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to come back with Michael Hurst, and we're going to discuss a little more about this dating coach and get more into his book. So do not touch that dial. Do call in at 347-426-3751 for any questions or hit me up on the chat box. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. I'm one out of every four children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. I'm lucky to grow up where I could be whatever I want. I want to grow up and be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. Please visit feedingamerica.org today to find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for kids like me. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Okay. All right. Well, we're back on the line with Micah Hurst, and we're discussing about the company that guy that a woman actually wants. And are you that guy? Have you ever just come across that one girl you really want to be with, or a woman, maybe, I don't know what the question might be, but you just don't know how to do it, 
Well, Michael, that's what he's here for. He's teaching you guys out there how to be actually yourself. And that might seem kind of strange. But now if you have issues, if you're kind of psychotic, then we can't help you on this show at all. <laughs> We're only helping the normal guys who who, who really need our help. <laughs> what even started your book to become that guy? Why write this book? And what makes it so different from any other self-help book? Well, um, what I tried to do in mine was uh, actually combine things from two different sides because I've seen a fair number of self-help books that are just about change your mind, you know? It's like think great positive thoughts and you just can do that. Well, that can be all fine and dandy, but that's not the whole story. You also do usually have to change what you actually do and what you say. And if you don't do that, then all the positive thinking in the world is not going to really hold up because it's not based on you doing anything different and getting any different results. At the same time, if you just try and act differently without, you know, changing your um, beliefs about how things should be with, uh, with women, um, what uh, you deserve for yourself, then you're going to end up probably sabotaging your success. You might get a few good responses here and there, but then either they don't follow through with it or do something to just kind of screw it up that, like, why did they do that, Right. So that's the thing I think is kind of an important feedback loop, is working on both at the same time, changing how you do things and also how you think about things. It's not one or the other. It's kind of a combination of both at the same time, and they sort of feed off of each other. If you're feeling good about yourself and you're in a great frame of mind, you might automatically start to do and say some of the right things, and you'll do and say the things that you've been. At the same time, if you're acting the part, if you're acting the part of the guy, who does get what he wants and is attractive, then um, the uh, beliefs and the feelings are also going to come through too. And so that's why we say, you know, well, you know, you need to be yourself. Well, if you're trying to be someone else and you don't believe that you're who you're acting like you are, then it's going to come across as inauthentic and, and fake. And when we're going to, you know, spot that a mile away, that's wait a second, you know, who is this guy? And you know, they'll test the guy. It's like, all right, is he really this confident? And then maybe it will fall apart. So that's something, too. Um, same time, if you have all the confidence in the world, but you don't know how to actually engage a woman at an emotional level, at an attractive level and sexual level, then you're not going to get anywhere either. So that's sort of the underlying premise that um, I went about when I developed this, and I realized there wasn't anything quite uh, like it that combined uh, you know, these two elements in, in just this type of way. Hey, you know what? That brings me to that when you mentioned her. My coworkers were talking about that um, one young lady said she was through with this guy, and the other one asked her. She said, "Well, was it good?" And she was like, "Yeah, you know, like for some women, that is the main factor for them. Like, you don't even have to be attractive or bada boom, bada bing. All you gotta do is just have the good sex part, and you know that's good enough for most women. Like, it doesn't matter." Mm-hmm. Like now, if you if you lacking in that department, then it's like, hey, I try to give you a chance, but now you got to go. You go, you gonna have to go left field because you not only are you unattractive, but you don't even have the package. So I, I gotta cut you. So I think mm-hmm. it's very, it's hard on both ends for women too. But we just focusing on you guys for right now. It's hard for men because if you don't have that, then what else is left? Then then you feel isolated, and and it brings me to this other point, too. When it comes to relationships and being yourself, as you said, Michael, 
I would always want to pray about it because there is somebody for everybody out here, no matter what, handicapped, disabled, cross-eyed, broken teeth, or whatever your issues are. It's somebody out there who will accept you for who you are, and you don't always have to go through the struggle of, of getting that person. You just have to sit back and relax. And if that person is meant for you, then God will send that person in your path. That's how I always learned. And I don't know if everybody's mm-hmm. going to go off that philosophy or not. But what do you um, think, Michael? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I, I see where you're at with that. And I think um, the people that you tend to attract, uh, especially when it comes to more, you know, relationship relationships, um, oftentimes uh, follow patterns. Just keep in mind, my mom's a psychologist, so I heard a fair number of things, you know, growing up. And uh, um, so part of this was that oftentimes you try and uh, mimic the environment that you had when you were growing up. You know, you might be attracted to someone with characteristics uh, similar to your father. Or if you didn't have a father, you know, that might be something with women. You know, talk about the woman with uh, daddy issues or something, right? And so that's what happens. Oftentimes people don't attract the person that's best for them. They attract the person that fulfills a certain need or somehow seems comfortable or familiar. And that's usually what people end up going for um, until they recognize those patterns and deliberately make a decision to change. And that can sometimes be difficult, um, but that, that's the thing. So part of it is who you are ends up dictating who you end up sort of in a relationship with. And uh, it can oftentimes be really, <laughs> really tricky to kind of recognize what's going on and, 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 and change it. And sometimes people know exactly what's going on. You know, I'm sure you've had this one before where they're like, oh, this man's no good. And it's like, well, why are you with him? Or wait, why are you with another one? He's just like the other one, right? And yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they, they know intellectually, and it doesn't matter what their friends tell them, and, you know, and they can even admit their friends right, but they're helpless to change because it's based on your more subconscious beliefs and expectations, and deliberately changing them um, is basically oftentimes kind of an expensive process. It can take you know, a matter of weeks or sometimes longer, but every time you identify yourself thinking a certain way, like, oh... Well, I don't deserve a guy that would, you know, actually be there for me emotionally, for example, or, or treat me well. Be like, you know, cancel, like stop, you know. No, I do. And here's how it will look. Here's how I will feel when I do get that. And so creating that expectation of success in advance, you know, um, really can require some conscious effort. I mean, you can also work with, like hypnosis, work cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, work um, uh, psychocybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Um, which has really formed the backbone of uh, a large portion of, um, you know, uh, corporate training and sales training and other things like that over the last 50 or so years. And part of that is just every time you find yourself thinking a negative thought or about to do something that's maybe not good for you, is be like, well, stop. Like, what am I doing? No, it's going to be this way, you know? Yes, I am good enough. And, um, you know, just being consciously aware and deliberately choosing how you're going to think. Um, and it will require some effort. But once you do, things will shift and change around you. The people that were no good just maybe kind of drop off the radar screen. It doesn't have to be like a dramatic you know, fight or something like that. It's just, oh, they're just not there anymore, and now this person's there. And it's really, really profound when you think about that because when who you are changes and your whole perspective changes, then things mm-hmm. happen not necessarily easily, but naturally. It's the new norm, the new normal of how things are supposed to be. If you try and resist and fight against that, which is what most people are consciously trying to do, then you're going to run into problems. Or you might have a temporary success, and then things just kind of slide back to where they were, 
you know, next time uh, something happens. And so that longer, you know, deeper core change can sometimes take some time and sometimes even take up to about two years before things become really, really permanent as like your new default. Um, and our you don't have to consciously, you know, keep sort of reaffirming new identity. And I think that's the thing because it's it's hard to work on yourself sometimes and it's hard to separate um, your beliefs and how your identity's been and how your new identity is going to become. And um, that's the thing. I think for some people, it's hard to separate those two things. It's hard to say, hey, look, just because, you know, um, I've been in circumstances that weren't always ideal in the past, just because I feel guilt or shame about it, um, uh, doesn't mean that's how things have to be in the future. But you have to be able to imagine that future uh, first and make it real for you before you can step into it and move forward. And, uh, and really what that involves is each day sometimes it's like, no, you know, I am good enough. No, I am attractive enough. No, she might be attractive to me. How do I know unless I talk uh, to her? And, um, and that's what happens. And over time, all those little victories, you know, each moment at a time, uh, just like Hitch said, you know, it's like, um, was it, uh, I, I forgot the exact quote, but you said something like that. It, it's about the moment, you know, and, w- and what you do in those moments. And that ultimately, those cumulative moments end up becoming who you are and uh, what happens in your life. And this, it does. When you listen to all this, Mike, it sounds like a bunch of work just trying to get the opposite sex to really just be attracted to you. But, guys, that's what I want to say to you out here. Don't get caught up on the superficial things of life because sometimes we do. Physical symmetry is being the most attractive, and we get caught up in, oh, she got this, she got that. Um, sometimes that's not always good either. you got to go deeper because one thing about it, attractive people can even be ugly on paper. But they, you got to hold some kind of fascination. It's got to be more than just the outside appearance to really get you on the inside. So I would say if, if you feel that you're not attractive, I wouldn't beat myself up about that. No, because I see, to me, you're not beautiful. Everyone is beautiful, but when you're when you're living in the flesh, then yeah, you would. Oh, he's not attractive. He's this way. But it'd be so many other qualities. So don't always turn your other cheek, honey. That might be that might be your man of the future for you. You never know. But we always we just go for what we want to go for. I got girlfriends like that now, Michael. They go for the buff. Don't matter if he if he doesn't have a six pack, if he doesn't look white, looking like a stripper, you are not in their boat. So, um, and that's the way that's the way they make it seem. Now, as far as with you, can Michael, if you don't mind, give us some stories about success, some stories that you have dealt with that came out successful. Okay, um, let's see. All right, well, one of them, a uh, the guy who was a 22-year-old virgin who was, uh, I guess, uh, I, I guess his parents uh, came here from, like, uh, somewhere in the Middle East. Like, I think it might have been Turkey or something like that. He was 22 years old. He discovered what's kind of known as the uh, men's uh, pickup artist community, um, if you will. And he was busy trying to learn everything. He was trying to be the most awesome analytical student and good at all these little pieces of things. And some of my other students in my class uh, joked, because he's like, well, Mike, you know, I think she's about a 5.93, you know? And the guys are like, what? You rank a woman in, like, the decimal system? You know, one of them even quipped. He said, hey, Sean, you know, if you get, um, 
if, if you get five twos, that's equal to a ten. <laughs> so we kidded him because he was so trying to be so, super analytical about everything. But what I realized was part of that was actually a barrier to getting to know people. And uh, um, one time I remember he was, um, you know, talking uh, to him, and he was um, uh, sharing one of the, you know, it was one of our weekly phone conversations. Like, hey, so what's up with your, you know, dates and your nights out recently? And basically he met this woman, and he was, you know, making out with her. It sounds like everything was going great. Um, her friends had left <laughs> her there with him. And then she's like, hey, you know, I need to get home and stuff like that, um, you know, but you should walk me home. So I left the bar alone, just the two of them. And I said, oh, well, wow, it, it looks like you finally, so you're not a virgin anymore, right? I mean, sounds like everything was on. And he's like, oh, well, well, no. And I'm like, no. She gave you every indication, you know, it looked like she was interested in you. She's like, oh, well, I didn't have a place to take her, because I still live with my parents because I'm trying to you know, save money. I'm paying my way through grad school right now. I'm like, no, I, like, why is that irrelevant? She's got her place, right? She wanted you. Like, why did you sabotage yourself? Why did you stop yourself? And one thing I had recalled was that, um, well, he didn't share much about it. You know, he, um, uh, his family was uh, Muslim, you know, Muslim and stuff, although we'd never really talked about it. He kept it very private. So what I said to him was this. I said, well, look, you know, it seems like you're stopping yourself, you're sabotaging yourself here. I'm wondering, you know, what is it about, you know, how you were raised? Uh, to believe about women in relationships from your religion, from your family. You know, like, yeah, what was that about? Yeah, and I realized what he was doing was um, it was a classic, you know, being kind of torn, um, I guess, a perch avoidance type thing. On the one hand, he thought he was supposed to, you know, be this player that wanted to go out and pick up all these women and everything because that's what he was supposed to do, and, and that's what it was. So I said, well, look, you know, you don't have to do that to prove your, you know, uh, more of a man, you know. Um, all you have to do is do what's best for you. You know, what makes you happy and what's consistent with your, you know, beliefs. Um, I encourage people oftentimes if they're not entirely happy with where they're at to challenge and test their beliefs because sometimes they can be, you know, kind of confining and they cannot be really who you are or they might have been imposed on someone else to kind of uh, keep you down. So I think sometimes, you know, challenging your beliefs, challenging your station can be helpful. So I said to him, so so I, how important is your religion? Like, how does that work? Like, well, you know, I do you know, pray five times a day, you know, go to the mosque and do all this. And it's kind of always ever-present. I said, well, wait a second. It seems like, you know, those beliefs about women and family, you know, would definitely conflict with these secular, you know, beliefs here. So I said, look, you know, you only have to be okay with yourself. So, you know, if, if your beliefs are that, you know, you're doing something wrong, then by all means, you know, if that's what you want to do, then go with it. Or maybe find some way that you can, you know, generally be true to your faith, but also embrace some secular concepts too, which I think is what a lot of people do, you know, with their religions in this country. They don't always follow, you know, that to the exact letter because, you know, cultures change and beliefs and things can change and it can sometimes be kind of complicated to reconcile all those things. So that's what I said to him. You don't have to, you know, do this. All you have to do is what makes you happy, like what you're satisfied with. And if that's finding, you know, one woman that you really connect with, that you feel really good about, then, then that's great. You know, that's what you look for. Right. Well, that was really funny because yeah. when I said something in there, he just, I, I heard him just, like, pause. I, I mean, it's like he was taking things in. Well, a week later, he said, oh, so I met this woman, you know, and uh, she totally called me out for using some, you know, little games or wording from the book The Game. And some other things. Like, oh, yeah, that's in that book. 
And he's like, oh. And he'd always said, well, Mike, what do I do if I get caught? I said, um, tell the oh. truth. You know, it's not exactly a national secret that, you know, mm-hmm. men are walking up to women they don't know because they're attracted to them and they want to get with them, right? I said, women know that. You know, they're just looking for the guy that they're attracted to who does that. That's the thing. You know, you're not, you're not hiding it. You're not going to pull anything over on it. So just own what you're doing because she already knows it anyway. So just admit it. And so he's like, uh, yeah, that was from the game. Like, how do you know that? She's like, oh, I've read it. I've been trying to reverse engineer the stuff from that. This is a woman who was like a uh, biochem major, you know. She was just as analytical as he was. And, Michael, when you really think of it, sure. When you really think of it, if half of the man's had a book, we'll probably appreciate you more. Go ahead. Put your book on in your hand. Because at least it let me know that, hey, I'm trying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to win her over or maybe trying to get sex for some of you, but I'm... At least I am trying. But when you were talking about sabotaging, I wanted to ask you, how can one, like, get out of their own way from even sabotaging themselves? Because sometimes, like you were saying, we do from past past relationships or the way we were brought up, the way we learned how to um, treat a woman or the way a woman learned how to treat a man. So what are some tips that you could probably give for guys out there to just get out of their own way from doing that? Okay, well, part of it is uh, to drill down and, and ask, like, why are you, are you sabotaging? And that answer oftentimes is hard to think. In fact, the first answers you come up with are probably not likely the answers. If you already explicitly know what the actual answer is, not what you think the answer is and what you say it is, but what it actually is, that oftentimes is enough in itself to lead you on the path of solving the problem. So that's the elusive obvious. People think they know what's going on but they don't. And sometimes the people that are most sure they know what's going on really don't know at all. They're the most because they're certain, which means their mind isn't open to keep, you know, looking for new opportunities. So that can oftentimes be the toughest thing if I'm dealing with someone who's absolutely certain about where things are already at because they're not going to change. Um, so that's part of it. It's like, uh, what were my, you know, experiences? So an exercise you can do is just kind of free associate. Like, okay, women, sexuality, what do I think about that? You know, what was I told in, in uh, church or what was I even told on TV? Oh, that guy's being evil because he's hitting on that woman. Bad, evil man for being sexually attracted to her. You know, that's oftentimes what we get. And then people wonder, like, well, why is this guy feeling guilt or shame or weird when all he's doing is acting on, you know, his desires and, and how he's feeling? And that's because basically we've oftentimes been told in our culture that, you know, lust um, and sexual attraction is wrong. And needs to be, you know, controlled within, you know, the authorities of um, of religions and social parameters and things. And the truth of the matter is, it still continues to go on in spite of those things. So that can oftentimes be a problem. So part of it is saying, well, what was I raised with, and do I agree with that? If I'm not being happy, if I'm sabotaging myself, if I'm making bad decisions, maybe the underlying beliefs are um, are wrong, or at least they're not right for me in how they currently are if that makes sense. So yeah, uh, some self-reflection can be definitely good on that. And then after that, once you acknowledge the new way of doing things, uh, you basically interrupt the old uh, thought pattern, basically create kind of a new uh, core, if you will, a new foundation. And um, that can sometimes be one belief at a time. One of them can simply be, um, you know, no, I, I don't know, you know if she would you know, like me or not like me. 
Or sometimes it can really just distill down to, hey, I am worth it. I am inherently good. And right. that in itself doesn't necessarily follow from, but what it does is it opens you up to learning and developing new skill sets. If your beliefs are blocking you from changing, then it doesn't matter how much you do um, to try and change. It, you're always still going to somehow get in, in the way. And so identifying those is a very, very key thing. And then not just identifying them and, and dwelling on it, but um, finding some little steps you can take um, and are acting the part as a new person you would be if you were free from that belief. Not necessarily the exact oh. opposite, but a new um, a new you without that old limiting belief in place. Right. And I figured the only way you could stop really sabotaging the feeling yourself, you got to stop believing things about yourself that aren't true. And if that doesn't work, you can always get professional therapy or counseling if, if, if it doesn't work. <laughs> there is professional help out here for you. But, Michael, mm -hmm. besides just juggling being a dating coach, you you deal with another illness as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, and, and this is actually something that affected me to somewhat, you know, ever since childhood, but basically gastrointestinal, you know, uh, problems. Um, but, yeah, just before my 21st birthday, actually not long after I, uh, just within a couple of months after I'd started, you know, stumbled upon the dating coach things and kind of taking this on as an experiment, felt uh, a severe case of ulcerative colitis, which is... Um, uh, not pretty, but bleeding ulcers of the large intestine. Uh, fortunately, it's not directly painful, but it's quite inconvenient. You know, you have to keep going to the bathroom, and, you know, you're losing blood, and it's it's not always great. Um, but, of course, you know, my way of dealing with it, you know, I come from a family where, you know, you don't complain about things or do things like that. You know, you just kind of keep going and put on a happy face. And that's what I did. And so all this time, I was having all these adventures with many, 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 many women over the years, and then even out coaching and helping other guys to get there. And at times, actually, coaching women, too, have worked from that angle. This whole time, I was basically keeping it a secret that, okay, guys, I'll be right back. Because I, like, sprint to the bathroom and wonder if I'll make it in time. But I'm supposed to be, you know, Mr. Smooth out there. That was, that was an added stress, you know, as you can imagine. And every drug they tried, you know, um, ended up failing. So finally, I was about to, I was facing surgery. I had my sort of send-off. A few of my younger guys that were just out of college took me to a college sorority party. <laughs> I told this one, I was like, you know, you might be my last uh, <laughs> last hookup um, pretty much almost ever if they screw up with the surgery. You know, it might cause, you know, um, sexual problems too. Um, if nothing else, I was going to have a bag on the outside of my body, and that was going to be so great. And um, at the last minute, I discovered an alternative to that. And I pursued it. Um, actually, one of my uh, my donor was actually one of my longtime uh, clients, um, since I know these guys very, very well, oftentimes, over a number of years. And I was able to solve this illness. And it's been three years now that I've been healthy with no medications or anything. And this was after Man. 12 years where, no matter what they gave me, I mean, maximum dosage is prednisone, uh, Remicade, if, if you're familiar with any of these you know, powerful immune-suppressing drugs, um, side effects can include cancer, or you can get like a skin infection, which happened to me once when I scraped my leg, it got infected, ended up in the hospital four days. All these, all these things. I think part of what kind of kept me going, my like avoidance coping mechanism, was hey, you know, I'm going to be a bit of a player. I'm going to be kind of fun. I'm going to, you know, act like everything's okay when it's really, you know, deep inside it's not. Literally, my own physical health. So I discovered that a controversial treatment, uh, um, that's known as uh, fecal transplant 
which literally saved thousands of people's lives from infectious clays. Um, of course, mine's considered to be an autoimmune disorder. They don't know. They haven't identified a single cause of it yet. But I'm convinced it lies in the uh, balance of bacteria in the gut. And there's a massive uh, research project right now. There's a human microbiome project where they're mapping out all those bacteria, just like the Human Genome Project mapped out uh, DNA over all those years. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, I think uh, cures coming out of that. That's what researchers and doctors are thinking. And um, I can say for myself, though, that um, I was able to find find a solution. And it came when I decided to take full responsibility, uh, not only for, you know, uh, my life and my social life like I had before, but now for my physical health. And so I have a website out there as well, um, uh, fecaltransplant.org, where I, you know, share um, information on how people can, you know, manage this illness and, and also talk to doctors and other health providers to help get what they need. Well, one thing about life, life has so many changes and it takes a toll on us, but I'm thankful that you are not letting that be a hindrance to you, that you are continuing on to be successful, giving helping other guys out and women as well to be successful in their life because it takes more than just being attractive. Once you get into that relationship, if Michael helps you get to that point, it's so much more to a relationship than just, just the sex part. It takes communication. It takes commitment. It takes to be there for one another when its roads get rocky and tough because I have been through ups and downs with my husband. It's not easy. So mm-hmm. let's take life and make it as precious as possible because it is precious. It's, it's, it's the most memorable thing because tomorrow's not promised to anyone. But, Michael, I do thank you for being on this show, and I hope for many blessings in your life. Oh, well, thank you very, very much. Uh, this is this has been great. And um, yeah, as I mentioned once again, um, my website, uh, becomethatguy.com. It's got my book available there, articles. And I also offer coaching uh, by phone as well. So if you're not in the Washington, D.C. area, I offer you know uh, that as well. You can talk to me anywhere. You can hook up a phone. And um, and yeah, that's what I have. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely been a pleasure. I always like to be able to come, you know, sort of share what I know and, and my perspective and and hopefully I'll help other people on the path that I've traveled myself. Well, I hope so. I mean, I had a few listeners checking in on the chat box, even though they didn't chat. I appreciate them for checking in. Let me know that you were willing to take our time to listen. This has been an interesting topic and a conversation today. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Michael. We'll have to do this soon one day. Yes, definitely. Okay. Have a good one, Michael. Bye-bye. All right. You too. All right. Thank you, Takesha. You're welcome. Well, as my good friend Mary Ellen has stated, for the truth of the day, you cannot gain a sense of power in your life while remaining a victim. You must learn to see the world anew, Albert Einstein. This brilliant man transformed the world's understanding of the universe. You cannot create abundance through a mindset of poverty, and you cannot gain a sense of power by identifying yourself as a victim. Find ways to step outside your understanding and see things differently. Change your perception on a situation by looking at it from another point of view. Shift your feelings from anger to compassion and forgiveness. Connect with your higher self for inspired solutions. Today, open your mind to greater possibilities and guide your steps in a new direction. Enjoy the day and be prosperous. I will see you tomorrow, everyone. God loves you and so do I.
Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.